I love God's presence, but I also love the Word of God. And we'll get through as much as we can tonight. I, I have a lot of notes for two days, so I'll get to a certain point and stop. But we're going to do something really different tonight as we go through this. We're going to pray as we go. And then at the end, I'll just go through and lay hands. But you'll see what I mean. I'll walk you through. But let's open with prayer. So, Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. Where would we be without the word of God? Lord, we love the word. We honor the word. And we're submitted to the word. And, Lord, we thank you tonight as we get into your word. I thank you for us having eyes to see and ears to hear that even now the Holy Spirit is moving upon every one of us, everyone that's going to be watching this or listening to this, whether live or through recording, every person, Lord, that we would, uh, the Holy Spirit upon us would help us to have good soil of hearts and minds and lives, have eyes that can see, ears that can hear, and Lord, to be humble and receptive as the word of the Lord is, is spoken out. Lord, I thank you for speaking through me the word like living seeds of truth that are sown out into good soil, watered by the Holy Spirit, take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. And we thank you, Lord, for your word, the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing this out among the nations. It will get everywhere it's supposed to accomplish everything it's supposed to. And this will be a powerful time in you that people are set free. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to do something a little different. I don't have notes to read along with me, but I do want you to pray with me as we go. So we're going to probe through this. Now, it's important that everybody listen to me right now. Everybody say this. I love love Pastor Scott. Scott. Okay, because I'm going to be dealing with a lot of things, and it's very likely, especially with Ed, it's very likely that at some point, (laughs) at some point that something is going to convict you. And that's a good thing, okay? So do not get offended with Pastor Scott. All right. But with all seriousness, as we go through this, um, the important thing for everybody is that, how many knows that God does not forgive excuses? He forgives sin. He does not forgive blaming somebody else. No, no. He forgives sin. So people will just be really honest with God and say, Lord, I'm not going to blame anybody else. I'm not going to make excuses. It's me. It was my fault. It's my sin. And I humble myself and confess it tonight as sin. That's when you find forgiveness. You don't find forgiveness by saying, well, it was really this person that did it. It doesn't matter. I want my life to be blessable by God. I want my life to be right with him. And it cannot really be blessed and be right with God if I'm blaming everybody else, okay? Or making excuses. So tonight and next week, the key is humility. And the key is judgment day honesty, okay? Just being completely honest with God. And the key is, I'm going to give you some things that you need. We'll talk about this as we go as well, but being willing to forgive others, Being willing to confess your faith in the Lord and what he did for you. Being willing to turn away from things. That when you leave out of here, you're not going to go back to certain things that God has convicted you of. Being willing to break away from things that are connected to the occult. Being willing to maybe get rid of things in your life that need to be gotten rid of. 
So see, there's an outworking of this, isn't there? Because you can go out of here and go return back to things or keep things in your life that you know aren't right. Wrong relationships, things you have in your home that you know that you shouldn't have. But when you leave out of here, if you're willing to deal with it, God will honor that. We have to stand on God's word and we have to command the enemy out. So these are keys to freedom tonight, but the main thing I want to point out is this. You know, we're living in a time, the Bible says that there would come a time when people would no longer endure sound doctrine. And this is a prophecy that the Apostle Paul gave in the book of Timothy. That there would come a time when people no longer wanted sound doctrine, but they would gather unto themselves teachers who only tell them what their itching ears want to hear. And I hate to say it, but we are living in the day that that is being fulfilled right before our eyes right now. And the tendency is for people in my position to just say, well, you know, and just kind of placate people. Just sit. But listen, that's not going to help anybody, is it? You know, when you go to the doctor and there's a problem, you don't get mad at the doctor when he starts poking and prodding on you, do you? In fact, he's going to hit a spot and you'll say, ow, and you're not going to get mad at him. You're going to pay him. (laughs) So don't get mad at the Holy Spirit and don't get mad at the word and don't get mad at the guy that's just giving you the word when God puts his finger on something that needs to be dealt with. Okay, because really what that right there is when people get offended is really pride. You're not really being hurt. Your pride is being hurt. There's a difference. And if we'll humble ourselves and get away from that pride business, and that's really, before I get into this, that's really the greatest stronghold is pride. And let me warn about pride. Pride is a stronghold that you can see it in people's lives because they really don't really love God with all their heart. They aren't really passionate about God. They really don't care. Church is kind of boring to them. They don't worship. They don't care about worship. Because they're not humble. They're arrogant. You see, there's a hardening of their heart. There's a pride there. And that really travels down family bloodlines. And the danger of pride is this. It's kind of the mother of many other sins. Have you ever seen those spiders? And this is the creepiest thing. Where they, they, and they have all these thousands of babies on them. You ever seen that? You whack that thing and those babies go everywhere? Well, pride is like that mother, that spider that has all these other things attached to it. Pride is one thing, but it leads to so many other things. It leads to people being rebellious and being disrespectful and not loving God and not submitting to His Word and getting offended about everything. So be careful with pride because pride will send many to hell And in the last days, the Bible says pride will really reach a climax. And it is, in the Bible, the spirit of pride is Leviathan. You don't want Leviathan in your life. Trust me, it's a powerful stronghold. And see, Leviathan is going to manifest in the last days as that beast with seven heads and ten horns that you see riding in the waters of uh, in the book of Revelation. That's the spirit of pride. And it's going to manifest itself through the Antichrist and his kingdom. And all the children of pride are going to go whoring after the Antichrist and his image. So let's be a people that are humble and getting things right with God. Amen. All right. So I'm going to dive into this tonight. So what is it, if we're going to be brutally honest, what is it that seems to block some people? 
from really walking in freedom and really truly being healed of things, delivered of things. Is I've, I've seen so many Christians down through the years that God has delivered them from demonic things, from bondages. He's healed them from things. But yet I've also seen where others, it seemed like there was a blockage there. And that's what we're dealing with. What is blocking what Jesus paid for you to have on the cross? Jesus died for the sin of the world, but how many knows that not everybody in the world is accepting his sacrifice for their sins? Jesus took stripes on his back for healing. He paid for it in full. But how many knows that not everybody is walking in their divine healing? In the same way Jesus paid for our deliverance, he hung on the cross, blood shed from him. He wants us to be free, but how many knows that not everybody's really free yet? It was paid for, but we've got to lay hold of what Jesus did for us. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about, and if people are taking notes or whatever, we're going to pray about this, but what hinders people the most is, number one, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. And so what has happened is this, people are ignorant. They don't know. And it's not everybody's fault that they don't know, but yet we need to pray about that because we all have a Bible. So we should know. But what happens is people grow up in churches that don't preach on it. Hello? They don't talk about it. Or maybe even they preach against it. So therefore, they don't know that they can be healed. They don't know that they can be free. They're ignorant of the word of God. And the Bible warns us in Hosea 4, 6, that my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. Listen to what that says. My people perish because of a lack of knowledge. So that's a scary scripture in the Bible. Also, a second that falls under that is unbelief and mental strongholds. Jesus warned us about unbelief. Now, doubt is one thing. I mean, if you kind of wonder about something and you're not sure about something, God can work with that. But unbelief is a major sin because unbelief is like this. Jesus went through these cities and he healed people. I mean, the blind were seeing, the deaf were hearing, cripples were walking, major miracles They heard about the dead being raised, all these things happening. And yet there were some places that still refused to believe, even though right in front of them, miracles were being performed. And Jesus said, he said, he rebuked them, woe to you, Chorazin, and I think it was Bethsaida. He said, if the miracles that happened in you had happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. But he said, on judgment day, it's going to be better for Sodom than you. And he said, in fact, they're going to rise up and condemn you and judge you because of this. Listen, it's a, it's a serious thing when people have an, uh, like an unbelief about them. They, God moves, God touches them, and it always concerns me because I've seen God really touch people really powerfully. And then later on, a year, a year later or whatever, you find out that they're not doing good spiritually at all. That's, that's scary, isn't it? And then the third thing I would say under faith comes by hearing Not only are people ignorant, some people are in unbelief, and others only have a head faith and not a heart faith. And that's a real problem, because we have to know God's word in our hearts, not just our our head, just mentally agreeing. Can you turn that air up just a little bit? So, 
if people in their mind, I can preach on something and somebody will mentally say, yes, I agree with that and that's fine. But you can still not really have faith to see something happen just because you mentally agree with it. It's got to move from head knowledge to heart knowledge. When it gets down in your heart, that's where true faith that moves mountains comes out of. And that's where the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the Bible says that you believe in your heart and you confess it with your mouth. And that's what Jesus was talking about when he said, if you speak to the mountain, be moved and don't doubt in your heart, it will move. There's got to be a heart faith. So the first thing I want to warn people about, and we're going to pray about, is that okay that we deal with this? Just like, for example, any other profession, people will go through and they'll diagnose things. They have a list, they look over it, and they begin to systematically, it's very pragmatic, they'll go through and they'll uh, look through a list of things and they'll examine it and they'll come to a conclusion, hey, this is the problem. And so what we're going to do with in each one of these categories, we're going to pray about it and we're going to ask God's forgiveness. If we've been in ignorance, if we've been in unbelief, or if we've only had mental agreement, we're going to ask his forgiveness for that. And he to help us to know his word that we can believe him for things, okay? So this is the first category. So if you feel that maybe this applies to you, I want you to pray with me about this, okay? And so everybody online, everybody that's listening to this, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. But it's your prayer, and just be really sincere with God as you pray this, okay? So let's all do this. Everybody out loud, in Jesus' name. I ask forgiveness for any pride, stubbornness, and rebellion, any ignorance of the scriptures, any unbelief, and any mental agreement that was not true faith. I ask forgiveness. I confess it as sin. And you are faithful and just to forgive me for my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive your forgiveness in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord. Help me learn your word that I will not be ignorant. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Judgment Day honesty. Have we been ignorant? Have we been in unbelief? Or the second thing that I want to talk about is issues of the heart. There can be a hardened heart that has a lot to do with pride. And so I want us to pray about that. But here's, here's what I want to, and let me just say this too. I wanted to get this in the recording, so I'm glad I just thought of it. But please get a good Bible, like a physical Bible. Because I'm telling you, the day is going to come when you're going to not have access on the internet like you've had. And everybody sitting around their little phones, I think that day will come to an end one day. And we're going to need a good Bible for yourself, okay? Alright, so I'm going to read this out of Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It says, He that covers his transgressions will not prosper. But it says, Whoever confesses and forsakes his sins will obtain mercy. Isn't that awesome? So God simply wants us to humble ourselves. 
So this next category is issues of the heart. And in this category, number one is pride. People have a hardening in their heart because of pride. And you can see it because they, they struggle. Like I said earlier, they, they see other people on fire for God, but they're really not. They see people look forward to church. God and church is boring to them. That's, that's pride. That's a spirit of pride. Um, other people worship, and they're just kind of bored during worship. Pride. That pride is something that's a major block. And I say this in love, but that pride can send people straight to hell too. And so we've got to repent of that pride. Satan was the one. Listen, if pride could turn a beautiful angel that led worship in heaven into the devil, what can it do to you? So number one is we're going to pray about pride. And pride has a lot of facets to it like i said it's got a lot to it but looking so critically at other people being so judgmental of others tearing others down and being abusive of others things like that making fun of people hurting people all that's rooted in pride so that's number one is pride number two the issues of the heart unforgiveness how many have had somebody really wrong them and you feel that at some point in time, you felt that they really did wrong you and they owed you an apology, whether you ever got it or not, you knew it was wrong. And you could hold unforgiveness the rest of your life if you want to, but this is what will happen. Your sins will not be forgiven. You will turn into a bitter, hateful, angry person that other people can't stand to be around. You'll have significant health problems. And in the end, you'll die in your sin and spend eternity in hell. So is holding that unforgiveness worth it? I don't think so. God will deal with them. Let's just forgive everybody and let it go. Amen? Just let it go. When people harbor unforgiveness, there's a root of bitterness that begins to uh, get entrenched in them. And that bitter root produces health problems. It produces a lot of things. It produces anger kind of a meanness about people. But we don't want that bitterness. And the Bible says a root of bitterness can spring up and defile many people. You know how that happens? Because a bitter person, well, I can't believe they said that, and start trash-talking other people, and it defiles all these other people, brings everybody else into their offense, causes all these problems. But if we'll just forgive people. And under the issue of a heart issue, okay, also I would add hatred. The Bible says if you hate in your heart, you've already committed murder. And the book of John talks about 1 John, that you cannot be a Christian and hate your brother. So hatred is something that is a serious bondage in people's lives. And so we're going to confess these issues of the heart. And the last part of the heart would be this, that people have like unconfessed, unrepented sin in their heart that they're holding on to things. Listen, we've got to hate sin. I remember one guy saying, he was telling a minister, he said, well, I want to be delivered from something, yet I kind of love what I'm doing and I don't want to turn away from it or whatever. He says, you think God can deliver me? And the pastor said, absolutely not. God delivers you from your enemies, not from your friends. So as long as you're going to hold on to stuff and love your sin, you can forget about freedom. 
God's wanting us to hate our sin and turn from it. Amen. When we leave out of here, we're going to make up our mind. If there's something we need to do or change that we're going to determine that we're going to follow through and do it. It's easy in this anointing to say something. It's a different thing when you get out of here and you actually do it. So whatever you got to do, if there's a wrong person in your life and you know it, if there's something in your life that you know you need to get rid of, do it. So I want to pray with you today about issues of the heart. So wherever you're at, those that are listening, how many want, the Bible says God wants us to have clean hands and a pure heart. How many want a pure heart? Jesus said those that are pure in heart will see God. Isn't that awesome? What a promise. And so our hearts to be really clean before him. Does it mean that we got everything together? We'll never be perfect. We don't got everything figured out. But we want our hearts to be pure, right? So if you want that tonight, I want you to pray this. Jesus, I ask forgiveness for all unforgiveness and bitterness, all pride. And with pride, the criticisms, the judgments, being mean to people, being oppressive, hurting others, having a hard heart, forgive us, Lord. Any hatred in our hearts, any idols or affections in our hearts toward those things that you don't want in our lives, we ask forgiveness tonight. That you cleanse us. We turn from it. And we forgive others in Jesus' name. So before we move on, I want you to pray about that because I feel something there. Just close your eyes. I want you to pray about that right there. Anything that comes to your mind, especially somebody you need to forgive, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. I want you to pray about it. Is there pride? Has there been hatred? Things that you've had in your heart that's not right. Do you need to forgive somebody? Just take a moment to pray about it. Lord, just where people are at, we thank you, Lord. Even like the God of self, people just, sometimes it's all about me, 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 what I want, when I want it, how I want it. It's all about me. Lord, forgive us for that pride and that selfishness. But Lord, we forgive anybody that's wronged us right now. We repent of anger. We repent of pride. We repent of of being judgmental and critical, being mean to people, hurting others, oppressiveness. We confess it as sin and we turn from it tonight. And the Bible says you're faithful and just to forgive us from our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we thank you for your forgiveness tonight in Jesus' name. How many know sermons like this help people, don't they? They're uncomfortable. It's like going to the dentist. How many people like going to the dentist? All right. Somebody actually does. God bless you. (laughs) Someone that's never had a cavity right there. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about, category number three, is having a bad attitude toward the Holy Spirit. 
And I think about the Bible says, do not resist the Holy Spirit, do not quench the Holy Spirit, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And down through the years, I mean, I've seen a lot of this, but the Holy Spirit will move in places. There's people that will do nothing but be judgmental and critical against those moves of God. They don't realize that they're not making fun of the people. They're making fun of the Holy Ghost. Who's the Holy Ghost? He's God. They're mocking and blaspheming God himself. And they think that they're mocking people, but they're not. But, you know, have you ever had an attitude problem where you didn't like tongues? You didn't like the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Maybe the Holy Spirit touching somebody just offended you. It made you mad that somebody would shake or fall. Or maybe they're la- some people, this seems to be a big one with some people, people laughing in the Spirit. They just can't stand it. You know what they want? Everybody depressed? Actually, they do. I think they do. But it's like, you know, people laughing in the Spirit or, or just being free. Or maybe people dancing, being free. And, and the Holy Spirit's moving upon the people and touching people and liberating people. And the whole while they're sitting back there judging and criticizing and speaking against it. How many knows that grieves the Holy Spirit? You know what they're doing? They're resisting the Holy Spirit. They're grieving the Holy Spirit. And they're quenching what God wants to do in their life. You know, I want to be somebody that's open to the the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How many knows we need the Word, but we also need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? All right, so I want us to pray about that. If there's ever been anything toward the Holy Spirit in your life that has not been right, okay? So just say this out loud if you want to. Jesus, I ask forgiveness for any resisting, quenching, or grieving the Holy Spirit. If I mocked the things of God or have been critical of what the Holy Spirit was doing. I confess it as sin. In Jesus name. Forgive me now. Amen. Alright. Be careful with that. That can be a dangerous one. And I'm not saying anybody here cross that line at all. Because I don't think you'd be here tonight. But, there's, but it is possible to go too far with that. And blaspheme the Spirit. And if, if there's a point there. That. There's no going back. All right, so the next one is this, the sins of the mouth. (laughs) This is a big one. So how many people like to talk? Now, there's some people that are really quiet. Yes, and then there's those that are not. (laughs) But with that said, we have to be careful with what comes out out of our mouth because the Bible says that every careless word, we will give an account for that on Judgment Day. Think about that. And so that's for all of us. There's not a Christian alive that shouldn't really take that and go, oh man, you know, have I said something? Because Jesus has warned us, do not speak out careless words and things that hurt people and and, and the things that maybe we speak over ourselves like self-imposed curses, which I'm going to talk about. But what are sins of the mouth? I'm going to give several one is what in Hebrew is called Loshan Hara, and what that means, evil speaking in English, but what it means is gossip and slander. So in the New Testament, a gossiper or a slanderer is called a reviler. 
Everybody say a reviler. Now, God takes that so serious that he says this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, If somebody calls themselves a Christian, brother, but yet they're doing these things, like sexually immoral, they're a liar, they're a swindler, and it says in there, a, a reviler. It says, with such person, don't even eat a meal. So God takes this very seriously in Romans sixteen seventeen. Somebody that's divisive, that's talking trash about people, he said to mark them and avoid them. Don't associate with them. Titus says to warn them and then have nothing to do with them. And the Bible says in Proverbs six sixteen through 19 that God hates the one that sows discord among the brethren. How many knows it seems like God has a problem with this? So be careful with gossip. Gossip is spreading information about other people, and it's none of their business, but you're telling people their business. You need to be careful with that. And slander is just destroying somebody else's character, destroying them. Also, that's number one, is a reviler. Number two, under this category with sense of the mouth, is speaking against God's anointed. Be careful. Be careful when you see people that preach, they're maybe on television or, or whatever, on the internet, and maybe you don't understand everything, maybe you don't agree with everything. I don't necessarily agree with everything. But be careful about speaking against them, though, because they may still be right with God. It's just you don't understand it. You understand what I mean? It's not our place to be going around trash-talking and speaking against God's anointed, okay? All right, number three is a bitter root springing up and defiling many. A lot of times people have bitter roots and hurt they've been through, and then they involve everybody else in their offense. I've learned a long time ago that I am not going to get mixed up in other people's problems. How many have ever made that mistake? How many knows that once you make that mistake, you don't ever want to do it again? Listen, there's people that have been offended, they've been hurt, and then what do they want to do? They want to talk about it to everybody and get everybody kind of pulled into their offense and share in their hurt, and then it's like building up an army to go against the person that hurt them. Be careful that you're not a part of that bitter speech, Okay? And then, of course, under that category is sowing discord among the brethren. All right, let's talk about a few others now. The sins of the mouth, what about lying? So let me just kind of say something here that maybe, for whatever reason, people haven't heard. But the Bible says in the Ten Commandments to not lie. Okay, that's the big ten. That's like if you don't know anything else, you ought to at least know the Big Ten. And in that, the Bible says in Revelation 21.8 that all liars, everybody say all. It doesn't say some. It says all of them will be in the lake of fire. So how many knows that God has a problem with lying? All right. And so there's no such thing as white lies versus big lies and all that. That right there is just a joke. Lying is lying. Either you're telling the truth or you're lying. So have you, has your mouth been a lying mouth? Also, blasphemy and cursing. God cannot stand those things. Blasphemers and those that are cursing. Listen, before people get saved, a lot of times, all, their mouth is so foul. You know, sexual perversions. They blaspheme. 
They say things that, that are just profanity and cursing. They have foul mouths. Listen, when you get saved, how many knows God wants us to clean up our speech? Amen? And so we're going to pray about this as well. And then finally, the last one, this may be the most important one, is self-imposed curses. A lot of times people don't realize this, but the power, and I don't have time to preach a whole sermon on it, but the power of life and death is in the tongue. With your tongue, you can bless yourself and bless others, or you can curse yourself and curse others. And I'm not talking about profanity. I'm talking about speaking over yourself or other people things that will bring trouble into their lives. Did you know that your mouth can curse yourself to where you actually have health problems? And let me give you a couple quick stories. There was a person that when they were, they got married and they desperately wanted to have children and they couldn't. And they went to a pastor and they asked him, you know, could you pray for us? And in his wisdom, he felt that maybe there was something there. So he asked her, he said, have you ever in your life spoken out of your mouth over yourself something about not being able to have kids or not wanting to have kids or something like that? And she said, oh my goodness, when I was younger, she said, my parents were really poor and they had several children and I was one of the oldest. I was the oldest female and I, my parents, both of them had to work because they, we were poor. And she said, I found myself at a very young age having to take care of all these kids. And she said, I kept saying to myself in frustration, I will never have kids. I don't ever want to have kids. And she said, I spoke that over myself so many times. And he said, now you need to. You need to renounce that. And he led her in a prayer, and she said, Lord, forgive me for saying that. Lord, take those words off my life. And did you know after that, her and her husband, she got pregnant. And they had been trying for years. Words can curse yourself. I mean, she cursed herself. I think about how many people when they were younger maybe said things like, I hate my legs. And then they get older and they have problems in their health with their legs. They have all kinds of health problems and pain and all these things in their legs. You need to be careful what you speak over yourself because you can curse yourself and hinder yourself. And also that you curse other people. Be careful what you speak over others because it can set something in motion that's negative in their life and destroy them. I think about an example could be something like this. There's, there's a husband that's had a really rough day and his wife is, is trying to cook and do stuff and, and he's just really angry and he just lays into her and says, you never do anything right. You're the worst cook and he just starts cursing her. And then from that point on, something's not quite the same with her. She doesn't know what it is but whenever she tries to cook her, she finds her hands kind of shaking. She feels inadequate. She feels like nothing she ever does is good enough for him. And every time she tries, it's like she's struggling. You know what she's doing? She doesn't realize it, but she's working against a curse that was spoke over her. You need to break those things off your life. Amen? All right, so I want us to pray that God forgive us and deliver us from these things that have been spoken. Amen? So this might be just a little bit longer prayer, but I want you to bear with me. How many knows that God holds us accountable for what comes out of our mouths? The book of James teaches us that the tongue is an unruly member. And it says with the tongue, you can bless God and curse your brother. It talks about this. It says, how can fresh water and salt water come, come from the same place? And it's saying that we've got to learn to tame our tongues. So I want us to pray this. Ready? Jesus. 
We ask forgiveness for all the gossip, all the slander, all the evil speech that's come out of our mouths that has hurt others. If we've spoken against, you're anointed. We ask forgiveness. Any bitter speech where we were offended and we drug other people into our offense, forgive us, Lord. All the sowing discord among the brethren, we ask forgiveness. All the lies, all the blaspheming, all the cursing, all the careless words, forgive us, Lord. Things we spoke over ourselves or over others, that was a curse. Forgive us, Lord. Let that be broken off our lives from this day forward. We confess it as sin. And you are faithful to forgive us and cleanse us in Jesus' name. I felt that tonight. That, that was a powerful one. So the sins of the mouth. I've got just a couple more I want to talk about. And then I've got a list of those I'll go through next week. But in this category, strongholds of the mind. Your mind can really be in bondage to the devil. You can picture, if you will, like if you look at a map and somebody that purchased a piece of real estate on that map and then they begin to build a home on that real estate. A lot of times in the mind, people are believing things and thinking things in the mind that are simply not true. And it's like they're giving real estate in their mind to the devil's kingdom. And he begins to move into that real estate of their mind and he begins to build a stronghold in their minds. And they begin to struggle with things. And now this can be a lot of different categories, but let's talk about for a moment religious bondages. People that have set in particular denominations and they've been taught a bunch of pet doctrines and traditions of men. And those things have gone into their mind and created a stronghold of a religious spirit. That now a religious spirit is beginning to build on that real estate in their mind and they're in bondage there. And it's hard for them to really break free from that because every time somebody's preaching something contrary to that, that stronghold in the mind bucks up against it. And for example, somebody could have grown up in a church, and this could be a lot of different examples, but let's just pick on tongues. They grew up in a church where they're taught that tongues were of the devil, tongues were evil, you should have nothing to do with it, it passed away with the early church, etc. So they developed that stronghold in their mind. They never hear tongues in that church, and they're taught a false doctrine. And then later on, they get older and they start going to a different church and somebody's speaking in tongues and they find themselves reeling back and they have trouble with that. They don't like it. Why? There's this mental stronghold there. Somebody preaches on it and they have a problem with it and they start getting irritated with that preacher and they start getting critical and they don't want to hear it. Why? That stronghold in their mind. 
they're going to have to humble themselves and say, Lord, I confess this stronghold in my mind as sin and I repent from it in Jesus' name. So I want you tonight just to think about different strongholds that could be in your mind. I wonder how many people were taught things growing up from their parents and in their families that were absolutely unscriptural and 100% wrong, but they were taught it from their childhood, and to them, that's the truth. How many can relate to that? I've heard some weird stuff. When you get in the ministry, people confide in you. And I remember one person singing some little child song thing. I don't remember it now. But I thought, dear God, that's the creepiest thing I've ever heard in my life. They're like, well, they they sang it to me as a kid. And I thought, it sounds like something from a horror movie. Who would sing that to a kid? But I'm telling you, man, there's some weird stuff out there. But strongholds in the mind can be unbelief and doubt, as we've talked about. But listen, when these different belief systems get in people and infest people, sometimes it's hard to really break free from them. But when the devil begins to get like a bondage in this area of your anatomy, like in your mind, in your head area, there can be an influence of the demonic that can cause not only pride and unbelief and doubt, but can also cause these things. People may struggle with a strange forgetfulness and a strange confusion that they don't understand. Why am I dealing with this? It could be that the enemy has got some strongholds in the mind and he's messing with that area of your anatomy. There could be Areas of, for example, in the mind, this area, things that have to do with compromise and even unfaithfulness, like adultery. Did you know most adulterous affairs do not start in a bedroom, they start in the minds. And a lot of times people that compromise, they compromise their convictions, they sell out. They know something's wrong, but they get around a group of people and they start doing it anyway. And that's something a lot of times in this area of the anatomy where they're making decisions with their mind. They're making decisions that they know that they shouldn't make, but they're doing it anyway. And there can become strongholds in this area of compromise and even adultery. Is this making sense? There can also be in this area where the enemy is tormenting people with irrational fears and even mental illness and even insanity. I have found just from my experience alone, I'm only using my experience, but the overwhelming majority of people that have had mental illness of different kinds, that once they got deliverance, my wife and I prayed with them about things, now, I can't think of anybody that it didn't happen to up to this point. My wife's back there. But it cleared up. It, it, from what I remember, about 100% of the time. I can't think of anybody that it didn't. So I think, I think, in my opinion, a lot of the mental torment, the irrational fears, the mental illnesses, and all of that, that insanity, I think a lot of that is the work of the demonic, in my opinion. And it's a torment, isn't it? And people live tormented. 
And this could be also in the area of like irrational fears also could manifest through uh, night terrors and night, nightmares that people struggle with. But how many knows Jesus wants us free? Amen? And even things that people struggle with in this area uh, in the mind that maybe is manifesting itself through their personality with something like Asperger's or autism and different things that's affecting the way that they act. It can be the work of the enemy. So I want to deal with that because how many knows God wants this area of our anatomy free from the oppression and the torment of the enemy? I also think about depression while we're on the subject. People that deal with the sense of hopelessness and they go into deep, dark depressions. I think of people that maybe not, maybe not always the case, but maybe a lot of people that have had uh, migraines and it's actually a demonic torment that sets on their head and just oppresses them. I'm not saying that's always the case because it could be something else causing a migraine. But it could be the enemy doing it as well. And so this area, God wants us free. He doesn't want people tormented in their mind. But we're going to have to, but the Bible says, pull down these strongholds and bring every thought captive. That you're not going to let the devil keep messing with your head. If he's been causing depression. And I think about also deep sorrow and grief. Where maybe people have had something horrible happen to them. Maybe it was a loss of a loved one. Or maybe there was a, maybe they had a spouse that just totally betrayed them. Betrayed their kids. Left them. And it was a horrible thing. And they felt so devastated. There was such a loss there. But listen, there comes a point in time where God heals us and we get up and we move on from these things. And we're not going to sit around any longer in a dark room with the shade drawn and just keep dwelling on that night and day and living in this this hopelessness and this deep sorrow and this grief and this depression. God doesn't want us there. We've got to get out of that and find freedom in Christ from those things. Amen? And so I think about many times that we have to learn to really discipline our minds. I think about, for example, King David, how he was looking at this giant Goliath, obviously, that all these other people were afraid of. But what did David do? He used his mind, and it says that he remembered how he defeated the lion and the bear. He remembered the wonders of God. The miracles that have happened, he was focused on the positive here. He remembered the lion and the bear, and then he said, with that remembrance, now he's looking at something in front of him and says, and he will be no different. So we've got to get our minds to where we're focused on the good, and we remember how God has been with us, how God has been faithful to us, how God has answered prayers. How many have had answered prayers for real? You know that you have. God's answer prayers. There were times I desperately needed something and God 
uh, performed a miracle for me. He came through for me. And we need to be dwelling on those things. And then we look at our present or future and we say, you know what? It's going to be no different. The same God there is the same God now and the same God that will be there tomorrow. He's going to see me through it just as he's been with me in the past. He's going to be with me in the future. And we've got to use our minds as almost like, um, if we will, a spiritual weapon of positivity about those things, that we have faith in God, the one who's been with us, okay? And don't let the devil get real estate in your mind of, of all this doubt and fear and unbelief and negative. You know, David could have done that. He could have looked at the giant and thought, man, there is no way I could kill this guy. And that's what everybody else was doing. But instead of that... He renewed his mind and he thought, wait a second, I killed me a lion. Not too many people can say that. I took down a bear. He was by himself. It wasn't like me and 12 guys did it. He did it. And he said, this big boy is going to come down just like they did. And so I want us to pray about areas of the mind, okay? How many are with me tonight? So let's pray this, Jesus. We ask forgiveness. In every area of our mind, where we've been dwelling on things, entertaining thoughts that are not of you, strongholds, things we allowed that were prideful, rebellious, lustful, idols, depression. All the different things in our minds that we've allowed that's not of you. We confess it as sin in Jesus' name. And you are faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, I got just a couple more. And I'm going to talk about defiling our temple. There's a scripture in the Bible that is, is pretty stern warning in Corinthians where it says that if we defile God's temple, God will destroy that temple. And it's obviously an, a reference to the Old Testament where God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the temple. But it was because Israel defiled the temple. But now, what's the temple of the Holy Spirit? We are. In particular, the Bible talks about our bodies. And so our physical bodies need to be holy unto God. That's why the book of, Revel, uh, book of Romans, in Romans chapter 12, it says this. It says that we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Amen? That's one of those scriptures that pretty much all of us have learned early on in our Christian walk. But our bodies need to be holy, but yet our bodies can be defiled. And as I said, look this up. There's a scripture in, the, in Corinthians that says, if you defile God's temple, God will destroy that temple. I wonder how many people's bodies have gone through destruction because it was dedicated to God as holy ground, but yet they begin to defile it. But how many knows God is faithful to forgive us, though, and cleanse us? And God wants our bodies to be pure. 
And so I'm going to give you a couple different things that can bring like a defilement to your physical body. And I believe a lot of times when people defile their bodies, they can incur health problems specifically in those areas. I remember this one guy that was in good health and for whatever reason fell into sexual sin. And it wasn't long after that till he started developing cancer in his prostate that ended up killing him. And so you can open doors to the devil by defiling your body. Okay? And so the number one, the Bible says sexual sins. It says all other sins are one thing, but it says when you sin sexually, you actually sin against your own body. The Bible says that. And that's an interesting statement because you're not just sinning in a way that affects your soul and your eternity. It's not just that alone, but you're actually sinning against your own body because you're defiling your body. And we're living in a time that it seems like sexually people, I guess, think anything goes. But the Bible says very clearly in the scriptures that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. People that are not living sexually pure are not going to be in heaven. I don't care if they call themselves a Christian and go to church all the time. If they're living in sexual immorality outside the church, they're not going to go to heaven when they die. And so what I always tell people when I do a lot of street evangelism, to keep it really simple, I think most people understand this because they always bring up stuff to me, you know, the blame shifting and excuses. And I always just tell them, say, look, at the end of the day, the only people that's going to be in heaven are those that really know the Lord and live the life. You can't get any more simpler than that, can you? Simple terms. But they, every one of them know what I'm talking about. They're like, okay, I get it. Because you can go to church and put on a good front. But outside of church, if you're living a different life, how many knows God knows that? I remember one guy saying, well, if I don't bring it up, maybe God won't know. <laughs> how many knows that God knows all things? Amen. <laughs> all right. So number one, sexual sins. So what does the Bible call sexual immorality? Number one, fornication, which is sex outside of marriage. Okay, and nowadays, I mean, from what I understand, fornication is rampant. And people think they can just live with their boyfriend or girlfriend and all is well. But listen, that's not what the Bible says, okay? The second one would be adultery. This is whenever you're married, but... You're having sexual activity outside of the marriage bed. Adultery. Number three would be pornography. The Bible says to look with lust is already committing adultery in your heart. And there can really be a sexual lust and a fantasy in the mind that can be a stronghold in the mind. That people have got to be delivered from. Amen. Also, any type of same-sex type of attractions, the Bible condemns it. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10, um, that any type of homosexual, bisexual type of activity, the Bible calls it sin. And then, of course, any perverted, unnatural sex, talking about like incest or things that may be molesting children or rape, obviously, these things God is very strongly against. And so any type of sex, the, uh, let me just put it in the simplest terms. The only sex that God's okay with, and he made it this way, is between a husband and wife in marriage, and that's it. Amen? 
All right, so that's one way that people can really defile their bodies and can incur judgment on their bodies because they're defiling themselves. Another sin that I will talk much more about in a later category is the occult. People can defile themselves, including their physical bodies, with these occult practices that people do. Okay, I'll talk more about that another time. But when you participate in these things, I'm telling you, it brings a defilement on your life. For example, I can't dwell on this, but like somebody goes to some seance. How many knows the Bible strongly condemns necromancy, which is is things like seances, trying to commune with the dead. And you start holding hands with other people, and you start summoning these spirits of the dead. You are defiling yourself. Or I'll come back to that at a later time. Also, anything to do with marking or cutting up the body can and does defile. And so this can be any number of things. Now, I remember when I was ministering one time to a group of young people. You know, I was thinking about this earlier. I've been preaching these type of sermons because I forgot about this. But I was ministering in a home to young people back in like 2003, 4, and 5. And so that's when I was preaching a lot of this and, and God was using it. But anyway, so I was preaching about this and there's different people having different things there. For example, maybe they, through some gang initiation of some kind, they had gotten something like a cigarette lighter, got it really hot and they would brand something in their arm and they would create some type of a insignia there that branded them for that, that group. Um, people that were cutters. How many have known people that do that? They're depressed. And you can see it. I remember seeing this this lady, and I felt so bad for her, but it was like there was a line. It was a store. And I was standing at this checkout line with people behind me. And as she was reaching over to get my stuff, I noticed that she her whole arm up like this was just scars of where she cut herself. And I remember just feeling so grieved. But, I mean, you're in a situation where you can't get into some big, long thing about it with her. But it's just sad. It's like it's almost like some kind of a spirit of suicide in that, isn't there? But people that cut. And I think about also the, the tattoos and the piercings. Again, you're marking up and you're, you're cutting up your flesh. And the Bible is not okay with this. Now, I remember years ago, back when I was away from God, I remember I had gotten a tattoo back then. But man, when I got saved, I said, Lord, forgive me, and I'm not going to keep doing it. Amen? And so talking about marking up and cutting up the body, and so this is a true story. I was ministering to all these young people, and I told them, look, if you've done any of this, I want you to anoint your body and add some oil there, and I'm going to pray for you. And so some of them were there, and they would just anoint their wrist where they cut themselves or whatever. Others were disappearing. So apparently this was in private locations, right? So they're disappearing and coming back. Let's just leave that alone. And so after all this awkwardness, everybody's gathered, right? And I'm up here and I'm praying and I'm not really thinking too much about it other than God's power is here and whatever you open the door to is leaving. And I remember I took authority. I break this off you in Jesus' name. And it was a collective sound that came out of the entire group. There was probably at least around 50 young people. In all of them, it was like a gasp. And you could feel something come off them up in the air like this and roll out the back. And it was evident to every single person there, including the leadership. 
God delivered them. So be careful because you can open doors to the enemy through the way you defile your flesh. Also wearing things that are satanic. You know, I love you enough to tell you the truth tonight, but God doesn't want you wearing these pentagrams and goat's heads and things that are straight up Satan worship. Things that are associated with the occult, upside down crosses, whatever it is. You can defile yourself and not to mention, I've had, there's so many stories of people that needed to be delivered or healed and they were there and while they were getting prayer, the minister would say, what is that you're wearing? And they said, well, this necklace or this bracelet is such and such. He said, you need to take it off. After they took it off, then they were healed or delivered. But it was a blockage to them until they were willing to get rid of it. In the same way, things that defile your body. I think about various types of drugs and alcohol and tobacco and all these things that people are putting in their bodies. It defiles. So when we come to Jesus, God's wanting us to clean out our lives, purify, sanctify our lives unto him. And also I would add that your home, God is very interested in the spiritual hygiene of your home and I'll talk about that category later But just right now, I would mention this. Are there things in your home that are defiling your home and maybe defiling you with it? Let me give you an example. Are there things in your home that have to do with witchcraft and the occult or Satan worship? Are there things in your home that are pornographic? Are there things in your home that that you know you shouldn't have and it has some type of a spiritual effect on both your home and you you need to get it out of your home. And so this is defiling, this category is defiling the temple of God. God wants us pure, amen? And so whatever we need to do to get things out of our lives, I, I would say just do what you got to do. If, if, For example, with sexual sins, if there's something in your life, if you or somebody that you know that you cannot handle a computer or 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 a certain type of phone or something, you know that you can't handle it, then get rid of it. It's better to not have that and end up in heaven when you die. What did Jesus say? He said, if your eye offend you, pluck it out. It's better to go to heaven with one eye than hell with both. What he means by that is not literally to gouge out your eye, but he's saying take drastic measures to cut out of your life whatever you got to get out. If it's going to send you to hell, it's not worth it. And there's some people when they leave out of here, maybe there's even relationships you don't need in your life. There's people maybe you need to quit hanging around. So I want us to pray about this. Okay, so everybody that wants to pray this, just pray out loud, Jesus, I ask forgiveness for all of the sexual sins, whether it's fornication, adultery, pornography, lust, homosexual, perverted, any unnatural sex, including masturbation, I confess it as sin. Any occult practices, any marking up the body, any substances, anything that has defiled me in any way, I confess it as sin. I repent of it. I renounce it. In Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, the next one I want to deal with, and I'm winding this down. I might talk a little bit about the home since I've touched on that, but strongholds in the physical body. So see, as people defile their bodies, and that's not the only way that this comes, but people can develop strongholds in their body. Just like you can have a stronghold in your mind, you can have strongholds in your physical body. So I'm going to give you just a couple things and then we're going to command some things to leave people and then we're going to pray. But God wants us free. Jesus paid for us to be delivered. Let's lay hold of it. Amen. Jesus paid for us to be healed. Let's lay hold of it. So physical bodies, there can be things like, for example, infirmity. There's a spirit of infirmity. And in the Bible, this is a strong reference. How many knows that Jesus, as he ministered, he dealt with a lot of sick people, and some of them, he commanded the demonic spirit, causing it to leave them, and when it left, they were healed. It wasn't always the case, but it was the case many times. And there was a situation, just to give one example, when a woman was bent over probably because of like a severe case of arthritis or something, but she was hunched over and she could not walk straight and upright. She had a back problem and Jesus prayed for her and he commanded a spirit of infirmity to leave her. And when it left her, she stood upright. And so infirmity is something, a spirit of infirmity will cause people to have chronic sickness, repeated sickness, to be weak, and maybe even something like allergies that they just can't shake, but it keeps them in a constant state of weakness and sickness. How many knows God is wanting us to be free from that? I've even heard of a spirit of infirmity where somebody would get got injured, and it seemed like the injury should have just simply healed up on its own. Why in the world is it not healing like a natural physical human body would heal? And a wise minister commanded a spirit of infirmity to leave, and it did. And then that person was healed. Their leg healed up like normal. So see, it was hindering their normal healing in their body that just should have happened on its own. So a spirit of infirmity can be translated as spirit of heaviness. And it is something that oppresses people's bodies. And then number two can be a spirit of death. This is a stubborn spirit. I personally believe this spirit trafficked in the realm of what we know as COVID as well. And it caused a lot of people to die. But a spirit of death, when that's at work in somebody's life, you might see some of these symptoms. They might have a tendency to be suicidal. They might have a tendency to be uh, depressed all the time. They might stay sickly. In fact, when you look at them, you might notice that they seem to be more thin and maybe pale. And you can tell there's something not quite right. A spirit of death also can cause them even to have a fascination with wearing black and listening to certain type of depressing or dark music. But it's a spirit of death. And a spirit of death is all about premature death. If that spirit of death can get them to commit suicide, it'll do it. If it cannot get them to kill themselves, it will keep them in a state of being depressed and oppressed and even in a place of having severe health problems. And let me add that a spirit of death can be 
behind something that leads to death like cancer. And I remember a minister I knew very well. He told me one time he was praying for somebody that had cancer. And he said, I command that spirit of cancer, which is the spirit of death. You will leave this person and you'll take out every trace of cancer with you. And did you know when they went back to the doctor, not only were they healed, but he said, I can't find a trace of it in your body. So a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of death. And if you're dealing with those demonic things in people's lives, the prayer of faith alone will not bring healing. You must command it to leave. You're not dealing with just a sickness. You're dealing with a spirit. And you have to command it out. And also I would add in this category of the physical body that sometimes people maybe deal with an extreme case of feeling sleepy and unnaturally tired and you know that something's not quite right. You're like, I should not feel this way. How many have ever had that? That can be an oppression. I'm not saying it always is, but it can be an oppression of a spirit. Others have had things that's like the opposite, where they can't go to sleep. They're restless, and they lay there frustrated. Why can I not sleep? Well, it could be a spirit that's tormenting your life and causing that. may not be. It could be something else, but it doesn't hurt to pray about if it is a spirit that it must leave. Spirits that attack people's physical bodies can cause things like migraines. They can also, the same type of strongholds in the physical body can cause, there are demonic spirits that can cause people to have seizures. In fact, that's in the Bible. Do you remember that guy that brought his son to Jesus, but first his disciples could not cast the spirit out? And he said, my son will go into these seizures that will throw him into the fire or throw him into the water and try to kill him. And he said, your disciples couldn't cast it out and Jesus cast it out. So there can be a spirit that causes seizures. There can also be a spirit. Now, this is important because this is a strong one and I've dealt with this. A spirit that causes arthritis and or crippling. Remember that word crippling. Everybody say crippling. How many knows God wants our bodies to function right? He does not want people twisted up and contorted and not able to get around and they're crippled. That is not God. That There can be a spirit that does that. Now, I remember one guy was saying he saw this with his own eyes. One of the most awesome miracles he ever witnessed was at her Catherine Kuhlman meeting. And he was with her probably in the early 70s. And he said that This lady was there and she was all twisted up with arthritis. I mean, she was totally crippled. Her legs were twisted. Her arms were twisted. She obviously was in pain. And when she was sitting there and he happened to be seated behind her to the right a little bit. And Catherine was on the platform to his left. And so the lady was just right there in his view. You understand? And so Catherine was praying for people. And was commanding, you know, things to leave and praying for healing and having words of knowledge. And the guy said he saw the power of God hit this woman. And he's sitting there watching her as her bones started cracking and he heard her bones cracking. And she began to straighten out her arms and her legs and she was completely uncrippled from that as God healed her. All right, also, and this is important that you remember this, not only a spirit of infirmity and a spirit of death, 
a spirit that can cause seizures or epilepsy, that type of thing, a spirit that can cause crippling, but also a spirit that can cause pain. Some people's pain is demonic. I'm not saying obviously that's always the case. But some people, there's a spirit that causes them to live in chronic pain of some kind. And God wants us free from these things. He wants these strongholds in people's bodies to be delivered from that. Amen? Jesus took it upon himself. His back was plowed open. Blood dripped from his body. And he does not want people living like this. This is a physical torment in the body. And so here in a moment, we're going to pray about that. And we're going to command some of these things to leave. And then we're going to finish this next week because I don't have time to get into all of it. But next week, I want to deal with idolatry and iniquity and other gods. I also want to deal in depth with the occult. And I want to deal with uh, people's homes and finally with personal and generational curses. And so next week is going to be important that you don't miss that sermon. But I do want to close this out with a little bit about the home. I'll touch, I'll touch on it more next week. But God wants us in our marriages and our families that our homes be in order. Now I'm going to close with this, so please don't miss this. I think about a lot of times we're living in these last days and there's this Leviathan spirit that's so strong and and then there's this area of witchcraft that seems to be really strong. And you see that in Revelation chapter 17 with the whore of Babylon. That's a spirit of Jezebel. It's a spirit of witchcraft. And these things are pervasive. It's end time spirits. The Bible's very clear about it. And we're, we're having to face these things in our society. And our homes need to be in order. And I think many times, maybe if a, a man was never really the spiritual leader. He should have been in his home. And don't get offended with me or anything. I'm just pointing this out. And then later on in life, he gets saved and he's on fire for God and he loves God, but he realizes now that his kids aren't in church and they're not living for God. He didn't raise them in that way. How many knows God loves you and he wants to redeem that? He wants to restore the years the locusts have eaten. But I'm pointing these things out because we need to humble ourselves to the dirt and say, Lord, forgive me for this. I confess it as sin. It's my fault. I wasn't what I needed to be. And I, I'm only going to touch on this tonight, but I think about maybe a wife that, that was very manipulative and controlling and domineering and never would let her husband be the leader he needed to be. And she was the problem. He tried to lead, but she was always fighting him and resisting. And she wanted to be the one that made the decisions and be in control. And it was all about that power and control. And homes that have been out of order and dysfunctional because of it. Think about what I'm saying. How many children's lives have been totally messed up because of these things? Are y'all hearing me? Children that have no idea what it's like to have a home in order and unified. All they know is all of this dysfunction and disorder and division. Now think about those three words I just said. All of the disorder, all of the division, and all of the dysfunction. Those three things are pervasive in our American society and it's producing children that are messed up and it's not their fault. It's the homes they grew up in. 
And so I'll deal with it more next week, but I just want to pray about that tonight. And I want to pray about the physical body. Have we done things to abuse our own bodies? Have we done things that have affected our bodies? I want us to pray about that. So if you would, I want you to pray with me. Jesus, we ask forgiveness in any way where we've abused our bodies, not taken care of our bodies, used our bodies for evil purposes. We confess it as sin. Forgive us in our families where the husbands have not been what they need to be and where wives have not submitted themselves and not been what they should have been. All the pride, all the rebellion. Forgive us, Lord, where there's been disorder and division dysfunction and divorce in our families all of our sin all of our transgressions all of our iniquity in us and in our families we confess it today you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness we have renounced satan in everything of the devil's kingdom. In Jesus' name, we command you to leave us now, to leave our bodies, leave our minds, leave our emotions, leave our families, leave our house, leave our marriages, and get out of our kids. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for breakthroughs. In Jesus' name. Again, I just want to pray for people tonight. There's a level of breakthrough that's begun tonight. It will finish next week. Don't miss next week. Try to physically be here because we're going to finish this, and that's going to prepare for the conference. I'm helping to clear things away, okay? I want us to go ahead, and um, if you want to go take care of that, I want you to place something back there, and we need to move the chairs, and I'm going to pray with people. It's going to be pretty quick. But I'm just going to agree with you.